on this episode of Adventures in Being Gifted. Until you start, you're making zero progress. You have to start somewhere. And it doesn't have to be in a gym. It doesn't have to be with a trainer. It doesn't have to be whatever. But you have to start moving and you have to start eating better, right? And if we one by one, and again, we start to collectively do that, then that's the only way we're going to make it so that we are dealing less with less cases of childhood obesity and we're dealing with less diabetic children and we're dealing with less, you know, heart disease. And we're dealing, like, it's not going to happen until we change it. That and a whole lot more coming up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Adventures in Being Gifted podcast. I'm Jill Hartsock. And I'm Jessica Mullen. And we're two experienced gifted teachers and your hosts. This podcast is a place for parents, educators, and students living the gifted adventure. In each episode, you'll hear stories, practical tips, and deep dive into relevant topics related to being gifted. So come along for another episode of Adventures in Being Gifted. Welcome. We are excited for our lineup today of wonderful guests that are going to really talk to us about how balance is best, whether it's a student's balance in life or whether you're an adult listening, how we really just need to take a step and make sure that we are balancing all of our needs. That's right. We have a lot of guests this time. Instead of just one main featured guest and a student segment or some type of segment at the end, we are featuring four different people and four different aspects over these next two episodes to conclude season two that we really feel are great at helping us to make good habits, especially in regards to the summer when we have just this large amount of time that's open, sometimes we either intentionally fill it and sometimes we don't intentionally fill it, but regardless, it's gonna get filled. So now that we are in a place where we can kind of think ahead and maybe put some of that intentionality into our lives and planning for just using our time to the best that we can. And I think what our guest, um, our first guest up, he is telling us to really take time to plan, plan your meals, plan your activities, plan your fitness. And I think he did a great job of just reminding us these are simple things. This is how our bodies are wired and just plan out those times to be active. And, and in the world of gifted, no matter what your identification is, whether you're gifted creatively, psychomotor, academic, whatever your gifted you know, label is to have balance within that identification. And actually, we know that when we do nothing for a little period of time and we carve that time out, a lot of times our mind is allowed to wander. And that's where a lot of great ideas are born. And it's really great to just carve out time to relax as well as just time to do nothing. Let that mind wander. Yep. Boredom is the key to creativity. That's right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Today's guest is a Ball State University grad. He actually played on their football team, took him to... The- well, we were the first uh, ever undefeated Mid-American Conference team in 2008. Thank you very much. There mm-hmm. you go. And he's an exercise science major, 
And this guest is the one who kicks my behind every morning at 5 a.m. at the gym. He's the one that inspires me to be physically fit and be the best version of myself. We would like to introduce Madeiras Grant. Madeiras, welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Jill. So you played football for Ball State. Correct. That requires some serious physical and psychomotor talent. So tell us how and when you became serious about sports. Um, so, I mean, I started playing sports really young. My first sport was baseball, actually. It was like after baseball, I picked up basketball. And then after basketball, I picked up swimming. And then after swimming, I, I picked up uh, track and field. And then at football was actually my last sport. And it was the one I was actually the most natural at, even though it was my last sport. I'm sure a lot of the other, you know, developmental skills that I had picked up through those other sports played a part in me being good at football and eye coordination and all that stuff. Um, but it was, it was actually the one I played the least amount <laughs> as far as like total hours and days and years committed. If you look at my entire football career, I played one year of high school football and then I played four years of college football and that was it. But I mean, I started playing basketball when I was seven. I didn't stop playing until I graduated high school. I started playing baseball when I was four. I didn't stop playing until I graduated. You know, it's like, so there was a lot of other stuff that was, you know, I had a lot more time in that didn't end up, end up being my, my main sport. So. So you have a track record, basically, no pun intended, <laughs> of just extreme talent in your physical fitness and your athleticism. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about maybe when you started to become aware of this talent. Now, in our world, in the gifted world, we call that psychomotor giftedness. Mm -hmm. And I know I've told you a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. And you actually took that and ran with it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about back when sure. you were younger, growing up, when did you start first becoming aware of your psychomotor talent? And then you can go into telling us what you've learned about psychomotor ability. Sure. So, I mean... I obviously, being a kid who could play a lot of different sports pretty well, knew that something was different because a lot of people only played one or two or they, you know, felt overwhelmed playing more than one sport. And that was never really um, my particular situation. I was like, hey, the more the better. Let me do this one and this one and this one and this one. Just keep piling them on. And that was something that I, I always knew and my parents were very aware of the fact that um, I always required something to be, you know, keeping me engaged. I was always a very busy kid. I was always a very high energy, high stimulation kid. So it's like back then, until you told me about the cycle learning, you know, I didn't even, I'd never heard of it. Right. And so then once I go and I start reading about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally me. You know? And um, <laughs> so then I, like I said, I took, you know, to reading a little bit more about it and you know, the, how it, it talks about the link between the like cognitive and physical abilities and um, you know, there's, there's different levels to it and how people, how quickly people can go from that, that where a lot of them started that uh, what they call like the mimic being kind of the, the, the foundation of it. It's like, I see it and then I attempt to do it. And then how quickly that goes from them being a mimic and being able to do it kind of inefficiently, but being able to do it. And then how quickly that goes to that autonomous level where it's like their body just does it without them even trying. Right. And I think that you see when you look at, for an example, um, in professional sports, all of those guys have to be operating at that autonomous level in order for them to be able to perform at that level. When you look at, you know, our quarterback here in Cincinnati, right, Joey B, right? It's like when he drops back to to throw a pass, his he's not really thinking about, well, I have to throw this ball on a perfect 33-degree trajectory at 40 <laughs> miles per hour in order for Jamar Chase to be able to catch it 40 yards down the field to catch a touchdown. He, his body just does it. 
and pretty well, right? And so that's when you start to get into the different levels of that psychomotor learning and how well they're able to, or people are able to perform, you know? Muscle memory. Yeah. And um, again, I like I said, just, I didn't know what it was called, but I kind of knew something was different. I think my parents knew something was different. I think my coaches knew something was different. Um, but I don't, I don't know whether it just wasn't as well researched or whether I just wasn't in the know, but I had never heard of it until you told me about it last year or whatever. So that took me down a deep rabbit hole of, le- of, of reading. So, <laughs> just, exactly. Just trying is- to learn more about myself. Um, and I think that, you know, I wish that I would have known or this, uh, information would have been better or more readily available to like my parents when I was growing up, because I feel like it would have been, there would have been better tools to be able to implement certain types of exercises or activities or learning techniques or whatever for me to help me progress more. Um, And, you know, that's something that's really cool about what you all are doing now and being able to, you know, for me now I'm thinking about, and I'm looking at my son, my 19 month old son, and he's already displaying a lot of those same things that I must have driven my parents nuts with. When I was, but I'm like, I'm already like, man, I have to get this kid in as many activities as possible because he's constantly, <laughs> if I don't give him one, he'll create one. Yeah, it sounds like your experiences of just you you growing up is preparing you to help you deal with your own children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the World Health Organization just released a report recently stating that 80% of children between the ages 11 and 17 are not physically active enough. Mm -hmm. So tell us, as a fitness trainer, why is it so important to be physically fit and active at any age? Well, I think that when you look at a lot of the – and this is just just my opinion, right? Obviously – There's a lot of scientific data and research and things like that to support all kinds of different points. You can go and find something that for just about anything. Um, But in my opinion, I think that one of the biggest problems with our, you know, when you look at the overall unhealthy uh, culture that we have in America, right? When you talk about what is it, it's we're up to. Uh, I think it's like seven out of 10 people are like listed as obese. Now, again, there's a whole bunch different controversy with like BMI and how they list people as obese and all of that. But, but there's, the, there's a clear and cut line is th- that shows that we are just not active enough as a culture. Right. Um, but one of the things that's interesting for me as a fitness coach that I look at is typically when I see people with, when I see families where they're active parents, the kids are active too. Right. And I do think that as parents, we have to kind of take the lead on that and take charge and say, like, you know, we're going to be active and we're going to be a good example from our kids because they are constantly learning from us. So it's like even if it's just, you know, whatever, we're going to go to the park and walk a loop around the, you know, whatever. And I'm going to take my kid with me. And while I'm walking and I'm kind of watching them and they're swinging or whatever, like getting them outside and just getting them moving around. Um I think that that's something that, you know, how we combat that issue is is definitely going to be something that the parents have to take charge on. It's like you can't I don't think I don't think personally and this again this is my opinion that it's very hard to say, "Oh, hey, um to my child, you go exercise, but I'm just going to sit here." Mm-hmm. Lead by example. Right? Um and I think that when we start to get to that point when you're as you as you talk about how why it's important, we'll start to experience a lot of the things that we have right now, you know, for instance, um I think it's eight out of 10 cases of, of diabetes are self-induced, right? Due to lack of exercise and overeating, right? So it's like, when you think about that, it's like, okay, well, that means 80% of cases of diabetes, we can actually do something about, right? Only 20% are genetic. When we start to be more active, well, when you're active, you don't want to, you know, be active and eat food that makes you feel like crap, <laughs> right? There's a lot of people out there who don't really realize how bad they feel because of what they're eating, until they start to eat a different way, 
right? And so the two things start kind of start to come together. When you start to be more active, you start to eat better because you feel better and you want to eat better food, right? You want to invest in your body more. And you want to maintain all that hard work and sweat that you're doing at For the gym sure. mm-hmm. or outdoors. And why put something in your body that's going to, you know, counteract that? For sure. I started, in, I started personal training in October of 2011. So we're coming up on 11 years. I've been just personal training, just working with not division one athletes, right? Regular adults. And one of the things that I have learned is that it's like, it's never too late. There's kind of this concept out there and it's like, oh, my ship has sailed. I'm whatever. I'm in my mid forties now, or I'm 50 or whatever, whatever. It's like, my ship has sailed. I can't be healthy. I can't be fit. And it's not true. And I've recorded thousands of pounds of weight loss. I've recorded people, you know, watched people go from where they felt like they were never going to be able to do anything again to running marathons. Like it's, you know, it's really a, a now issue. And if you start working on it now, then this time next month, you'll feel better. And in three months, you'll feel better. Six months, one year, you you can make so much progress if you just con- make a conscious effort to do better. And it doesn't, you don't have to be perfect. That's the other concept concept that's kind of out there is that, oh, I have to eat perfectly in order to be fit. No, you just have to do start by doing a little bit better than you're doing right now, right? Yeah. Our bodies are meant to move and we feel better when we move. Our body m- metabolically processes and, and utilizes the, the different foods and things that we put in it better when we move, right? And you just end up feeling better. It's just, it just, it all just kind of comes full circle when you just start moving, you know, going back to what you said Mm -hmm. about parents leading by example and starting now, Mm -hmm. what would be a few tips or specific ways parents can literally, you know, start stepping in there with their child this summer and getting physically active. I, this is what one of the first things I'll say, the, the younger the kids are, the easier it is, right. As they get toward those, you know, adolescent teenage years, right? And they start to move into that phase. It starts to get a little bit more difficult, but it's still not too late. Get, take your kids and go to a park and kick a soccer ball around, right? Get outside and just get your body moving. Do something with your family that's not just sedentary, right? Sitting around and eating or sitting, you know, again, I, I totally get it. There's a lot of people who are a lot more, you know, academic and cerebral people. And that's just like by nature, they're just like that. But there is, there still needs to be a balance for you physically um, with you being able to move your body properly. Right. And some of that's just getting out there and just doing it. Like go to a, find a park. There's so many nice parks around here. Like I said, go, go to Dick's or whatever and get a $10 soccer ball and just go kick the soccer ball around with your kid and just say, Hey, we're going to go spend some time outside this summer. Right. And then if they're not on a team, you're just going to hang out with your kids and move around. Yeah. You know, anyone um, can kick a soccer right, ball. Right. I mean, that's why, that's why, you know, a lot of people would say it's the greatest sport in the world, right? All you need is a ball. You can go in, like, there's people in, you know, less fortunate countries who are playing soccer on gravel roads and, you know, dirt fields. And it's like, you know, let's make a goalie out of, or a goal out of two trees and some, some, some hay or something like that, right? We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, at the end of the day, all you need is a ball, right? So it's like, you know, go, like I said, take your kids and, and, and go for a walk. But I, I encourage people to do it as a family because that's your, your primary support system. That's if you're going to, like you were going back to like, you know, kids 11 to 17, right? If you, if you're going to get your kids doing it, the, if they're already not moving, they're definitely not going to continue. They're not going to start moving without you. Find things outdoors that you enjoy. And then when you can't get outdoors, you know, maybe, I don't know, go on YouTube and pull up a basic body weight workout video and just, you know, and just, just, you don't even have to do the whole thing. Do five minutes of it. There's so much good content out there on the internet where you can just find basic functional movement workouts. So you can work on your body, starting to learn how to, you know, record some of those patterns and do some of those patterns. It's just 
try. Just start. Start with five minutes. Don't have, don't feel like you have to start with an hour. Start with five minutes. Start with 10 minutes. As a family, we're going to move around a little bit today and then kind of let it progress from there. People end up feeling so much better. A lot of the time they go, I don't know why it took me so long to do this. So on the other end of that spectrum, yeah. if we have parents listening that have, you know, kids with a very high level psychomotor ability, mm-hmm. what kind of tips can you give them who who they're really thriving? They're not ones that want to stay at home and do sure. nothing, but they're thriving for that activity. Find a don't feel like you have to do it yourself. Find a great coach if they're in a sport who is spe- who specializes in that whatever sport specific movement that they're doing. And get, get them working with these coaches. Like a lot of these coaches, and again, I did it myself when I was a f- football coach because I coached football for nine years after I got done playing, right? And all summer we would run camps and we would, you know, we would coach camps and we would do all these things just because, you know, obviously the joy and the passion of working with kids and watching these kids continue to develop and progress, right? But get them into get them into the, some of these camps. Get them working with uh, again a, a coach that specializes in like strength conditioning work and, and you know speed and agility and helping them learn how to again continue to improve and develop their functional movement capacity, right? So you already mentioned YouTube is a great resource. Sure. What are some other specific sources that you would suggest for parents and or kids to find either you know workout routines mm-hmm. or like you were mentioning, these different coaches or classes that they can tap into in their community? Well, again, a lot of the stuff, just because of the nature of how we, you know, pass on information these days, you can just find it on the internet. Um, you know, social media is another one. There's a ton of stuff on Facebook and Instagram. If you search, if you go and you like search a hashtag, then a lot of, like a lot of different people who, who, you know, post stuff under the hashtag, they'll pop up. Okay. Um, so you can go and you can do that. You could, you could go and you could search uh, like hashtag speed and agility. And you might end up finding someone, either a video of someone who's already coaching it online, or you might find someone locally, right? Um, if you type in, if you put in like hashtag Cincinnati, hashtag speed and agility, you might find a local speed and agility coach because that's what they, they post under. So that's like, you know, searching okay. those hashtags, that's, that's a, a really great way to find stuff. Um, and again, you can find stuff on nutrition. If you're, you know, if you want to find out, you know, different ways on how to eat, there's a lot of great dietitians and nutrition co- or nutrition coaches and things like that out there who again, post stuff and you can search those hashtags and you can find stuff on nutrition and, you know, diet and stuff like that. So that's obviously a big part of yeah, it is getting people, those eating. Go hand in they hand. go hand in hand, the movement and the food, you know? All right. So we focus a lot on Sean Covey's seven habits of happy kids with our students. We like to teach the balance is best model and mentality. And with our gifted kids who tend to be pretty highly academic, they gravitate towards reading or researching or, you know, learning everything that they can. Mm -hmm. So there is somewhat of a tendency for more sedentary, um, just, you know, stable you know, or, or lower level activity. I know parents are trying to balance that out. A lot of times our students are involved in some type of lesson or sport or team, but how can parents taking a look at the upcoming summertime, which is a giant portion of just open time, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got, um, a lot of just unintentional or intentional time where habits can be formed. Mm-hmm. So tell us how we can help parents start to be more intentional to set good, healthy habits, literally for physical activity to balance that time where their kids might be gravitating towards reading or gravitating towards learning more or gaining more intellectual knowledge. How can we balance that out? So uh, with any, like with any new habit creation, um, 
the first thing that you have to understand is it's going to be a conscious effort, right? Mm -hmm. What you are already doing, those are your current set of habits, right? Mm -hmm. And you're trying to form new ones. So you have to actually consciously think about it in order to redirect, to change course, right? Right. It's not just going to happen, right? Um, And so one of the first things when you start talking about structure, which is a part of our, you know, methodology at at XA, it's on the wall, is one of the things that, that I do at XA for everyone is when you all come in the door, you don't really have to think about what you're doing. I have it all planned out for you, right? So think about me in this situation as like, I'm workout dad, right? Right. And so it's like, I have how much time you're gonna spend in each area, right? I have what exercises you're gonna do in each area and the whole structure of the program's already planned out, right? And then from there, we go into the next part, which is, you know, getting you to do it, right? And so it's like, you know, making going around, you know, taking corrections um, or making corrections to your program or making corrections to you in workout and stuff like that. So it's like for parents, I would say, think about it like, okay, the first thing that I need to do is I need to make a plan, right? And, and I'm going to set, I'm going to start with setting a time frame, right? I'm going to say, mm-hmm. okay, let's say, let's say we want it to be, we're going to start with 20 minutes a day, okay? Well, what am I going to fill this kid's 20 minutes a day with, right? Hey, we're going to take a, we're going to take a reading break, Right. And we're going to go and we're going to do X for 20 minutes. And then there's a large myriad of activities you can kind of dive into from there. But it's like, which ones can you only do for 20 minutes? Right. You might not be able to do something as structured, like say with a coach or something like that for 20 minutes. Um, But again, it literally might just be, you know, going out and going for a run. It might be, you know, going out and uh, like I said, kicking a ball around, going into a tennis court and, you know, smacking some tennis balls back and forth. Like there's a lot of activities you can do. Or it just might be going for a run or going for a walk with something. Again, you need no equipment to do. You just need a pair of shoes. You don't even need shoes. <laughs> but, right? <laughs> but, but again, it, it comes back to start with that, that structured time frame. And then you can build off of that. Right. A lot of people set time frames on how much study time they have to get into. But we don't have that same expectation for ourselves physically. So True. we don't do it. We just wing it. We're just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to I know I'm going to I'm going to study for three hours every day minimum. Boom. Right. But we don't say, well, I'm going to exercise for a minimum of 30 minutes a day. We just kind of wing it. And then it ends up falling off because we don't have that plan in place. So my very first piece of advice would be to start with a plan. The nutrition portion, that's the part that's harder. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when we start talking about healthier eating habits, right, you still need a plan for that as well. A lot of people that I work with, because, you know, I coach people nutritionally as well. One of the biggest things that they struggle with is knowing what they're going to eat next. And therefore, since they don't have a plan, they just wing it and then they end up at McDonald's. Uh-huh. Right. And so, so intentional planning. Intentional eating. And right. Eating. Yep. Meal planning. <laughs> right. Meal planning. But but eating for what am I what what does my day look like? How active am I? Right. This goes back to when you know, you know, a lot of the one of the big trends right now is like macronutrients and things like that. Right. Well, think about the like this, right? If I'm not as active, I don't need to eat as many carbohydrates. But what do we do in our culture? We we really shove the carbs down, but so so it's like now I'm underactive and I'm overeating on carbs, and that's what causes us to gain weight. Okay. It, you see what I'm saying? Right. So but so it's like, okay, if you know that. Right. If you know that carbs are your activity fuel source, essentially. Right. And, and you can make a conscious effort to and you understand that it's it's easier to make a conscious effort to say, OK, well, I'm not as active, so I don't need to eat as many carbs. But if you don't know that, <laughs> then how are you ever going to make that decision? Right. So some of it is, again, the knowledge base behind it as well. Um, so I would I mean, I would start with especially during the summer, I would start to plan meals out for my kids and and try to make those meals as healthy as I can, right? And start to recreate some of those um, healthy eating habits as well and make sure that, again, our our um, 
our diets are more consistent of those lean proteins and those fruits and vegetables, right? Those, those more fiber rich carbohydrates and beans and peas and things like that versus the starchier carbs where we tend mm-hmm. to, you know, in the sugars that we tend to gravitate more towards as a culture and that you find at your fast food restaurants and the things that you find in all the aisles at the grocery store when we need to be around the perimeter of the grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know, parents starting to take the lead on teaching their kids how they're supposed to be eating as opposed to just giving them whatever they want. And that then that habit will also start to rub off on the parent as well. And then now they're eating better, right? And then now the whole house is eating better. And if you don't know how to plan, there's tons of professionals out there who will gladly help you myself included, you know? Right. Um, but, but it's like, make a plan, start there. If you don't have a plan, you're probably going to fail. Got it. We are the only, like as people, we are creating the problem, right? And we're the only ones who are going to solve the problem. There's a, there's a, a grossly unhealthy culture that we're living in right now. Right. And it's not going to change until one by one. Right. And, and collectively mm-hmm. we start to, to make changes, you know? Absolutely. Um, and so, like I said, that's just kind of my mission, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of my mission in life. I think that's why I'm, you know, kind of why I'm here is to is to to take this this passion I have for helping people just do a little bit better, and then taking those small victories and let them add up, and watching people's lives really change, you know. Right. Um, but it, it again, it doesn't it doesn't have to. You don't have to start, and we don't, and we need to stop comparing ourselves, you know. Um, I think that one of the things, and I hear this all the time when I have new clients come in, they're like, oh, I'm really intimidated to, you know, go in because I'm going to walk in and everybody else is going to be really fit and I'm not, right? But guess where they started? Exactly where you are right now. And it and it's like until you start, kind of like I was talking about, you know, earlier just with you, when we were talking about building healthier habits, right? Until you start, you're making zero progress. You have to start somewhere. And it doesn't have to be in a gym, it doesn't have to be with a trainer. It doesn't have to be whatever, but you have to start moving and you have to start eating better. Right. And if we one by one, and again, we start to collectively do that, then that's the only way we're going to make it so that we are dealing less with less cases of childhood obesity. And we're dealing with less diabetic children and we're dealing mm-hmm. with less, you know, heart disease. And we're dealing, like, it's not going to happen until we change it. If, if everybody, if, if nobody worked out and people just ate the way their bodies meant to eat, we we'd have so few health issues, <laughs> you know. You might you might not point. you might not feel like like physically you might not be bouncy, right? But you wouldn't be overweight, right? right? Or you wouldn't have you know when you go to the doctor and they draw your blood, you wouldn't have blood work issues with you know triglycerides and you know bad cholesterol and things like that, right? So it's like there's a lot of it that most of it just comes back to what we're putting in our bodies, and then beyond that, you can enhance that with certain you know physical activities. So it's like if I was to give people one piece of advice, whether if you had to choose between Eat healthy or work out. It's eat healthy. 10 out of 10. Okay. 10 out of 10. And I love what you said about the perimeter of the grocery store. Stay in the perimeter. Yeah. Yeah. Broccoli and toothpaste. Good place to start. Yeah. Well, Madeiras, thank you so much for coming today and talking to us about how important it is for us to be physically fit, be intentional, plan out what you're going to eat, plan out what you're going to do, especially with this upcoming summer, since we've got this giant amount of time yeah. waiting, you know, for us to fill it. You know, can I just say one more thing? Absolutely. That like, even as you just were saying that, what I was thinking about in my head was, you know, when you said plan out what you're going to eat, plan out what you're going to, you know, your activity and stuff like that. I think one of the things we have to stop doing as a culture as well as is kind of shaming people for doing that. Cause mm-hmm. one of the things that we do right now, and I've experienced it again across, you know, 
throughout my career is like when somebody does actually plan out what they're going to eat and, and, you know, plan their workouts out throughout the day and when they're going to fit them in and stuff like that. People, some people get shamed for that, right? Mm -hmm. People put people down for that. And it's kind of like, that's kind of sad, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But, but it's like, at the same time, you said that person has zero issues with their health (laughs) and the person who's shaming them probably does, you know? Um, So I think that that's one of those things where it's like, we really need to normalize that. Mm -hmm. Again, planning out what we're going to eat, planning out our exercise and when we're going to do it, right? What we're going to do, when we're going to do it. I think that that's something that we could really benefit from normalizing, okay. you know? So just wanted to throw it's that a good out mindset. there. Yeah. I mean, planning is one of the keys to success, no matter what you're planning, no whether it's what your you're physical doing. fitness and nutrition to your career, right. your job, your knowledge, anything. Yeah. It goes all back to goal setting. Yeah. It's good stuff. For sure. Thanks, Madeiras. Thank you for having me. Today's guest kicked off our very first episode in season one with us and has returned to talk with us about summer and living out the mantra of balance is best. We welcome back Michelle Crew, who is a licensed therapist, school counselor, an avid creative, and loves to cook. Michelle, welcome to Adventures in Being Gifted again. Thanks for having me back. All right, let's dive into this mantra because it is one of our beliefs. And we really are trying to stress this with our own families and students. But when we say balance is best, summer's approaching, we have this huge amount of open or free time. And we really want kids and families to approach planning for that time in a healthy way. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I think I think we got to look at it. When we look at this, let's just remember that like when you talk about gifted kids, let's just say that this really the talk that I want to share today is for everybody. Yeah. You know, and really all ages can benefit from some of the things I would like right. to do. From little kids to college age. Seriously, yeah. Yes. I mean, we know the brain doesn't stop growing until age 25, so I'm going to put 25 below. Yes. <laughs> all right. Tell us. Yeah. What can, what can parents and families do to approach this time and plan ahead or, you know, it's going to be filled some way or another. Why not? go in with some kind of a plan. Yeah. I think the best thing we can do is start at the foundation of all of us is our brain and Mm -hmm. our sensory system. So what we know about our brain is that it definitely does love structure. And that's where I want to start with that first piece, because we do look at summer going, yes, no plans, nothing. And it's just such a good thing. But with with anxious kids, they worry about not knowing what's going to happen during their summer. So having that sense, knowing your kids to know that they need to kind of know what their week's going to look like, even talking about that, looking at the day and saying, here's what we're going to do. Those kind of kids and any of us like a little bit of structure. I think it's good for us to have a sense right. of routine and purpose you know, throughout our day. It's really important to guide them and and give them a preview of what's ahead and all of those good organizational skills and planning skills. Well, that's you're building that executive functioning, right? Mm -hmm. Because what we want is for them to say, okay, here are the things that we have for today. Let's talk about how you, you know, even helping with that decision-making because that's that prefrontal lobe that we want to build in our kids. So I think that would be a great thing to do. So what about too much structure? Where where do we draw the line <laughs> Ooh, there? If somebody's yes. really, really wanting to take this time and study and prepare um, really, you know, into the academics, how do we 
help that with with a good balance. Well, I think you have to look at your child. You know, you know your child the best, but they're gonna you have to pick up their cues. So for the majority of kids that I work with, I feel like they will say, oh, do I have to go to practice? Do I have to do this? That is saying, um, I'm overscheduled here. Hmm. So we've got to really balance and look at what your schedule is. How is it helping that child? Because, you know, between sports <laughs> and mm-hmm. if you're doing any kind of prep or even summer school or any of those kind of like scheduled activities or you, work if they're older, work, right? So you really have to say, what's a good balance for you so that we can give you some downtime? Because mm-hmm. that is the beauty of summer because, and just our biology of our body kids, especially teenagers, preteens, their bodies are growing so much. They sleep is a Mm -hmm. huge factor. Are they getting enough? Because, you know, if I have unstructured time, am I going to stay up? You know, and just looking at that too. Right. And we've had former guests say their gifted children require more sleep time. I know our son's coaches will say, please plan for lots and lots of sleep. Give yourself more, more sleep whenever you can. Yeah. And just to really add to that, we are still in the process of recovering from a pandemic and the emotional social toll that it's taken on us is still happening. So we always have to, I feel like that's the number one thing. If I could recommend anything, sleep has been the number one thing for so many kids, because if you're grumpy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you have enough sleep, or if you're hungry, you're not yourself. So yeah. Yeah. Tell us some ways that families or even kids, depending on their age, can get out. And I mean, literally get out or not in their own homes, just relax or do something that is unstructured, but Mm -hmm. maybe not just sleep only. Yeah. Right. Because if you look at the senses, we need to like entertain them all. Right. So are we doing something outside? We know that that heals the body just being outside, you know, so is it just hiking or is it going out and doing an activity together? You know, family time outside, Mm. you've got this wonderful summer, (laughs) use it wisely and do things and stimulate the senses because we know that helps the body and the brain. Oh, I like that. Stimulate the senses. Absolutely. Even just sitting outdoors, mm-hmm. getting that vitamin D is going to help watching the nature around you. Oh, I love it. And, you know, exploring and so many kids really, there's so many activities, even if you want to look in the Cincinnati area or wherever you're at, mm-hmm. just to do, some, you know, plan some activities together as a family, right. um, talking to so many of my students, they haven't been to so many places that they would love to, you know, explore and learn right. new things too. Like city parks, state parks, yeah. go hike, go try to fish, catch go, a game somewhere, yeah. you know, those are all fun things. Okay. Great suggestions. All right. So tell us some of the benefits of living out this mantra of balance is best. So if you think about it, we've been talking you know, about the brain, the brain needs stimulation on all forefronts. So if we're giving, you know, time to be still, we're letting our, you know, a creativity develop, um, imagination, huh. Mm. when have you just sit and just like, just thought about what you want to do or what you're planning to do or try different things. Um, you know, as you said before, cooking is one of mine, you know, I try different recipes. Why not do that as kids too? Because taste, right? Senses, all of that. Yes. Um, Smell as you're cooking. All those things. But I do think we forget that we have to give our kids lots of opportunities to learn and try new things and 
ex, you know, experiment. Mm-hmm. Michelle, tell us what are some consequences of being overplanned? Okay. So we just were talking about like how our brain needs time to just imagine and rest. So if you're overplanned and someone's structuring your time all the time, when do you get that? When does your brain get to be? When does your body get to rest? And is it really what you want to be doing all the time? Mm. You know, so it's that very directive. Someone's, you know, channeling your energy, time and energy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as well as an adult, when someone's already got you scheduled, how, when do you know, how do you know when to take a break? And we're really trying to model that for our kids of coping skills and when we're feeling overwhelmed. So mm-hmm. right there. So you got to think, when is a good time for me to slow down right. and pay attention to what I need? And that's what we want our kids to be able to grow up and do mm-hmm. as they're transitioning from being a kid to a teenager to then a young adult and being successful. Right. So if I can learn now to regulate my emotions and when I get overwhelmed and what I can do for myself... How much further ahead will I be as an adult when I feel overwhelmed and stressed because I have too much going on? Tell us more about self-regulation. We hear it a lot more and more in our society and different um, ways of getting information. And I'm hearing that more and more. So tell our listeners what self-regulation is. So self-regulation, motion regulation, whatever you want to call it, is really developing a sense of understanding your body and your brain system. So we've got this autonomic nervous system that kind of like downstairs brain kicks on. We don't even have to think about it. Then we have this wonderful upstairs brain that we really have executive functioning, planning, decision-making, emotion control. And what happens when we don't really tend it and take Mm -hmm. care of it is we get overwhelmed. As we say at school, we flip our lid and we Hmm. have little things that become big problems because of our reaction. So I always think of it like this. If you were a kid and what should be a little problem for you, you don't have a sense of how to handle it. So everything is overwhelming to Mm -hmm. you and you have big reactions to little things. So I still think adults can get in that mode too. Yeah. So that really ties right into what we're talking about with the balance. I mean, you've got to literally take care of your brain and Mm -hmm. those downstairs. Yeah. Like, you know, our, our fight, flight and freeze is telling us, hello, you're not taking care of yourself Mm because this is how you're responding to things. Wow. I love it. Thank you for telling us about the physiology of our brains and our bodies, along with just these things that, you know, are important for us as term in terms of activities and things that we're filling our time with. This is really important. All right. From a mental health perspective, what are some tips and tricks for a balanced summer that you can give our audience? Mm. Well, we know like just basic brain physiology. We need, we need, you know, endorphins, increasing our serotonin, all those vitamin D, blah, 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 all those wonderful things that we can actually go out and do outside or be with family. Those are all great brain chemistry things. But also just looking at what do I dream about? What do I hope for? Because that's tapping into that imagination that, you know, but also give some peace to your body and your Mm. soul. Because what we're not doing these days is really stepping back and reflecting. So how can you do that? How can you look at what you want? How do you want as a family to spend the summer, Mm. you know, and doing little things, little projects that can actually build into that, you know, goal setting and things like that. What's one of your favorite ways to reflect either you personally, or you've heard it from other people? Um, My, my personal favorite is probably yoga. 
I love to do that because I get the body and I get mm-hmm. the brain at the same time. Um, and journaling and and drawing and painting. Those are all ways that I like to reflect. And I've noticed a lot of kids are getting better at being able to step back and say, well, I should have, or I, I wish I would have, apo-, you know, like just mm-hmm. even that repair and reflection process. So. So I think, again, literally balance is best. If you are really into the sciences or the math and you're doing a lot in that realm, you do need to find something in the opposite realm, which would be more of the humanities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something to keep in mind, too. While, you know, we might be very structured with our um, sporting and athletic, you know, lessons and things like that or teams that we're a part of, you also need to be out in nature and just do things you know, freely, right. Take a walk, take a hike, go fishing, you know, and gratitude too, you mm. know, like that is something that between service, you know, acts of service and gratitude, that's another thing that can help heal the brain and body. So mm. I feel like that is being thankful and great and teaching and practicing that with your family and going out and volunteering together. Yeah. I mean, that's another giving back. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Michelle, thank you so much for being a part of our episode today that we are kicking off for the summer and how we can have balance in our lives and always. Thank you. This episode was full of amazing guests where we learned a lot about how to keep balance in our life from our active physical and nutrition side of ourselves or just keeping balance in general in terms of a big picture idea mentality from Michelle. Yeah. And really looking forward to this summer, having that balance and taking a break from the academics a little bit and really getting out and enjoying the outdoors no matter where you are, but just really taking those tips that you heard from our guests today and applying them in your moment of relaxation this summer. And even if we just carve out small chunks, I think starting now is a big key that Madeiras shared with us that we just need to start now. Take that time, put that in your plans, set it aside and do it. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks everyone for listening to another Adventures in Being Gifted episode. Please make sure you subscribe and review us wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us again next time for more Adventures in Being Gifted. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Being Gifted Pod. And join us again next time for more Adventures in Being Gifted. <music>